Hey everyone, I'm Ron Johnson and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Friday Roundtable. We got Luke Inman, Sam Ekstrom, Reggie Wilson from Care 11. And I just want everybody to know, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is a great clothing company. Just go to birddogs.com backslash locked on and enter the promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with any purchase. Any purchase. I think Sam's wearing it. Any mm -hmm. purchase, you'll get the white tech hat. And you won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. I know Sam slept in his. I've heard some great stories about guys going from the golf course to the swimming pool to dinner in their bird dogs. So make sure you go to birddogs.com backslash locked on. Enter the promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with any purchase. That's any purchase, people. Just get some shorts. You'll get that hat. But again, this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Friday roundtable. This is a chance for us to just go around the horn. Talk a little bit about sports. Talk a little bit about we talked about Kim Kardashian, but that was backstage. We're not gonna we're gonna go bore you with Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys. We're not doing that today. Today we got to get locked in on these topics. Luke, what you got for us? Yeah, Vikings preseason game one in the books last night, Ron. We got to look at all the biggest winners from Seattle coming up next. And it wasn't all pretty. We will talk about some of the poorer performances in last night's game and whose stock dropped in the defeat. Do the Twins actually want to win the division? My mm. column coming up next. And I laughed at Sam's because he didn't want to say the word loser. Um, so winners and losers. If you're not a winner, you're a loser. If you're not first, you're last. And I laughed because my daughter, when she was like four, she used to call people losers when they would lose in races. <laughs> and my wife was like, you can't say that. And she's like, I can't say loser. But they are a loser, right? <laughs> like, no, you can't call them a loser. <laughs> so I just, I just felt like Sam was like my wife. Like, use a better word. They are poorer <laughs> runners than you. They're not losers. Yeah. <laughs> but we got to talk about. I mean, I'm wearing a shirt, people. We got to talk about the Minnesota Golden Gophers. College football season is upon us. This is going to be one of the most epic seasons because what you're going to see is a lot of new coaches, new faces, and new places. And what is that going to do to the Big Ten? What are teams going to start to do to prepare themselves for Oregon and all these other teams? What does the Gophers' outlook look like? Are they going to be winners? Are they going to be losers this season? And we'll talk about that next on the roundtable. Well, let's kick it off with Luke. Luke, let's jump into this game. Yeah, I mean, Vikings lose the battle last night, Ron, 24-13. But maybe they win the war just when you think about a big picture because when it came to the first half specifically, there was some guys who are going to have some big roles in 2023 with this team that had plenty of good takeaways. And I think you got to start at the top with Ivan Pace Jr. and Ty Chandler. For Ivan Pace Jr. to come in as a UDFA, wow in minicamp, then OTAs, then training camp. That was kind of always one thing, but then to see him carry that over last night, make some big plays when the lights turn bright, that was so impressive. I didn't know this, guys, until I heard it in the postgame presser, but KOC said he was even wearing the green dot, too. So impressive. Never been able to see a UDFA in his first game be able to digest the playbook that quickly, turn around, and just be able to make all the calls and checks on defense. So that was really impressive as well. I don't care that he's only 5'11". He plays like an absolute rattlesnake. He knocks some of the biggest linemen on the field last night right on their backside. So huge night for Pace. I think he's proved now he truly belongs in the mix next to Hicks and Osamo. And then on offense, Ty Chandler, uh, you know, one thing I'll say about better running backs I've watched over the last 20, 25 years, they always know how to make the first guy miss. Chandler did that time in and time out last night. And I think more importantly, he just showed his 
ability to contribute in the passing game quite a bit last night. That that was something that I was hoping to check off my list last night. And he's a guy who can potentially hold up in pass protection as well. So Pace and Chandler, they kind of stole the show. They're kind of the A topic waking up this morning and uh, came away with some glowing reviews, I think, Ron. Yeah, I, I loved what Chandler offered and a really inopportune time for Kenny Wongwu to be out because I'm not sure that he's going to get back in this battle. I mean, I think Ty Chandler took a convincing lead in the battle to be RB2 with the explosiveness he showed, the shiftiness, and the pass protection, Luke. Not only did he have four receptions in the passing game, but I watched him pretty closely. He was picking up blitzes. He was chipping guys. He was not letting pressure get to Nick Mullins. And trust me, he was tested plenty because that offensive line wasn't exactly sturdy. Uh, you mentioned pace on defense. I wanted to also mention Luigi Villane, a starting edge rusher in this game, opposite Patrick Jones. He had three quarterback hits, a strip sack. Luigi Villain is battling for his roster life, and I think he got a feather in his cap last night with a really good first half. And that's a guy that they're going to need in the future because think about it. Expiring contract, Marcus Davenport. Expiring contract, Daniil Hunter. Expiring contract, DJ Wanham. They're going to have to remake that edge rushing group potentially next year, and Luigi Villain wants to be a part of that. Yeah, uh, I echo those, but also uh, Jordan Addison. You know, it was our first time seeing him in, in game action. Uh, Nate Burleson would be proud of the sweet feet, toe drag swag over there on the sideline. That was that was nice like that. But he also just showed, like, he belongs. Like, so I, I feel like really, like, this, this offseason – he had the injury and then also the the unfortunate traffic incident. He's kind of, you know, become like a punchline and he's gone out there in camp. And then that first game and just kind of show like, hey, like I'm I'm here. Like I'm going to be battling for for time on this field. I also thought that Brandon Powell looked good. I actually only thought that he would just be kind of like that return guy. But I think he showed some things in the past game as a as a blocker, as a as a pass catcher. Like, I think he he showed what he can do. Um, and then shout out to Nick Muse on the, the touchdown catch and the gritty. Like, he mossed the dude and then hit the gritty on him. Like, I, I'm I'm pretty impressed by that. He mused the dude, Reggie. He yes. mused the dude. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Reggie. I do like Jordan Addison, I think. But here's one that I was not expecting to say today. And I kind of have to apologize because I've been, I've been pushing the, the narrative that he might not be here. I think Jalen Rager showed people last night that he actually deserves maybe to get a shot again, one more shot. He made some big catches, took some big hits, seemed like he was always in the right place. Now, again, he's not going against the starter. So I think these next two weeks of practicing with ones, going against the ones, going against some of the top corners for the Titans and for the Cardinals, I think he's going to get a chance to show that maybe he should be here over Brandon Powell. Now, Brandon Powell, he was okay, but also Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins shined as the number two quarterback. I think he put that whole, like, Jaron Hall might be able to take my spot out of people's heads. He looked really good. Mm -hmm. He looked really comfortable. He looked really calm. So I got to give it to those two. I got to go with uh, Nick Mullins, and I'm going to say Jalen Rager. Like, I know I'm I know I'm, a cap I'm captive of the moment, but Jalen Rager taking that first big hit to start the game off, one, I think that woke him up. Like, okay, let's go. Because if he had dropped that one and it wasn't a flag, people might be saying, oh, here we go again. This guy can't do it, but he made the catch, took the big hit, jumped up. I think the rest of the game, he made a couple more catches here and there. I, I, I'm going to say it's going to be tough. With his speed and size, 
Brandon Powell was going to have to do something because we talk about practice. But Allen Iverson told us, don't ever worry about practice. These games are going to matter to the Brandon Powell versus Jalen Rager. And I think Jalen Rager last night took the edge over Brandon Powell as of now. Now they have two more games left, so we'll see. We have two more practice, you know, two more big practice weeks left, so we'll see. But Jalen Rager was a winner to me last night. Well, it's time to jump into the next topic. What you got, Sam? Yeah, well, if there are winners, there are probably losers too. We have or to talk poor, about poor them. performances, as you call it. Uh, yeah, we have to talk about the people that tried really hard and just didn't quite do their best. Yeah. Um, Nick Mullins was nice. Twenty pass attempts, fourteen completions. Took a lot of hits. He delivered the ball generally on target downfield. He got a lot of people involved. I think that's exactly what you want from your backup quarterback. Jaron Hall, in his first NFL preseason action, was overwhelmed by the pressure he was overwhelmed by the moment it seemed and i don't think he's in a great position uh having guys blocking for him at tackle that just got in the building last week that's not a very advantageous position not even his fleet-footed scrambling ability which it's fun to watch a quarterback spin away from pressure and run out the way he does but he wasn't able to make much of it um and i felt bad for all of the young receivers, and there's there's a lot of them, right? Garrett Mogg, Thayer Thomas, Nikhil Harry, Jacob mm-hmm. Copeland, they're all on the field wanting to get targeted, wanting to build their own stock, make a case for themselves. And Hall just couldn't get the ball out. Um, you know, on the one drive, I think, where the Vikings were down four and they had a chance to maybe go and take the lead, sack, sack, threw it into the ground. So that's not all his fault, but again, he wasn't delivering the ball in a timely fashion. Rough debut for Jaron Hall. And then, uh, I hate to dunk on Andrew Boot Jr. on defense, but giving up a bad touchdown to lose the lead. Playing with the twos as well, playing into the second half. Clearly, Makai Blackman is above him on the depth chart, and uh, it, it was not a good debut for Andrew Booth, and I've just seen too much of that throughout training camp. So not great for Hall, not great for Andrew Booth. My two less than ideal performers of the night. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's Andrew Booth Jr. And yeah, I mean, Jaron Jaren didn't look good either. Like that was his, I, I don't know, he looked like a rookie out there. Um, I remember when Mike Zimmer was like not trying to play Kellen Mond. <laughs> and then when he finally put Kellen Mond in there, it was like, ooh-wee, that, that's probably why. I don't know. It kind of gave like shades of Kellen Mond. And I saw that Kellen Mond threw an interception in that preseason game as well. And that was like, okay, he's uh, he's doing the Kellen Mond thing that we're used to. <laughs> so, uh, no, but but yeah, the, the Jaron Hall thing was, was pretty disappointing. I was kind of texting back and forth with Alec Lewis about that last night. I was just like, man, he's not even there. Like, it's like a ghost out there. And then um, that – Touchdown pass. The he you had PA like uh oh it's Bobo like <laughs> that what was is hilarious. going? On? I was yeah, like, that was... what is what is he even saying out there? But like I saw the <laughs> frustration from Booth, but like he just he had no legs out there, man. Like it it just he got beat so easily. I don't know what's going on. Like there obviously was a reason why he fell in the draft. But I remember being on this podcast and Ron talking up. Andrew Booth Jr. and how good he could actually be. It's just kind of disappointing kind of seeing yeah. where he is. I, for one, I looked up when it was the second half, and I'm like, oh, dang, like Andrew Booth is still in this game? Like, really? And then I saw that happen. I was like, oh, that's why he's still in this game. Like, 
I feel like maybe he he does need the reps. But then again, it's like when he is getting those reps, I don't know if he's still not fully 100% or what, but like that was not a good showing. Yeah, I think uh, my big takeaway, once you got to the second half, you started to see the downside of what happens when you make such an extreme shift to this youth movement because there was a lot of young guys with little to zero experience out there going through a lot of growing pains. Passing game specifically, I'll echo Sam. Starting up front, though, with the offensive line, really struggled. Didn't give Jaron Hall much time to scan the field, take some shots. Just past the sticks. I'm not asking for 40, 50-yard bombs. Just move the ball past the sticks once in a while. And it's kind of tough without watching the All-22 to see if guys were getting open. But he was forced to scramble out of the pocket and try to create something with his legs a lot. And that didn't equate to much either. So uh, when he did get time back in the pocket, too, he really didn't look comfortable back there. He just had a really hard time pulling the trigger on anything more than four, five, six yards down the field. So they're third stringers for a reason. I get that. But when you're playing other third stringers, you certainly expect to see some sort of ability to move the ball with at least a first down or two once in a while. And instead, they really couldn't muster up any momentum at all, both the passing and the running game the entire fourth quarter. So um, sometimes that's to be expected for any rookie quarterback making his first start on a big stage, but certainly not the start I wanted to see for Jaron Hall. And you brought up McBride too, right, Luke? Yeah, wasn't, you know what, not a lot of wiggle back there. And I know he's not known for, again, being this quick, shifty, Dalvin Cook type of acceleration guy. But um, certainly, I think we saw our first sample size of he is truly a north and south get downhill runner. But I think he needs to learn a little bit more patience and follow those blockers a little bit more. And again, I haven't watched the L22 or anything yet. But certainly, when you compare him next to Ty Chandler, what we got in the first half, night and day difference. Hopefully, we see a little bit more splash plays from Dwayne McBride coming up in game two yeah for me and it's tough it's this is one play so I'm just going I'm not going to say loser I'm going to say poor poor opportunity or poor chance didn't take advantage of the chance uh friend of the show we had him on the show Thayer Thomas uh the muff punt not 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 his best thought process through this and I get it he's going for a fair catch his own guy is kind of in his way so he backs up but instead of like yelling Peter, 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 which means everybody get out the way. I'm not about to catch this thing. He stands right by it when it drops. It then hits him, and then the Seahawks recover the ball. For a coach, if I'm looking for my fifth or sixth receiver, you might want to be my punt returner. That's not the way to show it. Uh, he did have two catches for nine yards, uh, but unfortunately, like, that that punt, it just wasn't like he even fair – he went for the fair catch. He would have been better off running up and getting hit by one of the Seahawks as he's trying to fair catch it versus like getting spooked at guys around his feet moving. I think that's the one key in the NFL is like, you got to be able to catch a punt in traffic because there is no halo rule. I know Beyonce has a halo. I know she has a song called halo, but it does not work in the NFL. There is no halo rule. And that's the problem with college guys. They're used to getting two yards of space of like, you gotta, you gotta respect me. NFL. You don't have to give him any space. You can stand right in his ear hole and yell at him as he's trying to catch the punt, and they got to be able to do it. So he's got to be able to, to like, he has two more games. Hopefully gets an opportunity, but a lot of times coaches don't have a lot of time to, to, to worry about guys that are maybe going to be on the practice squad. And so I, I did feel like that moment for him, like if he had just caught it, fair caught it, caught it, moved on, we'd never be talking about there. We'd be like, oh, that two catches nine yards, man. He, we got to see what else he can do. That mm -hmm. that's one of those things that puts a sour taste in your mouth. Like, man, what what were you doing? Why'd you do that? Like, get out the way then. Run out the way. 
Run out the way and yell poison, 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 or Peter, whatever your call is. Run out the way and let everybody know get out the way because I'm about to let this drop. So that was mine. Uh, but I think there, Thomas, again, he has two more weeks to uh, show what he can do. I'm really pulling for that kid because I watched him run routes. He he runs pretty smooth routes. He looks really good out there. Uh, probably definitely a practice squad guy, but you know he's got to earn his way onto the practice squad. Before we get into Reggie's topic, because I know we want to talk about these Minnesota Twins, there's a word from our sponsors. It's a Bird Dogs Friday here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. I'm going to the cabin this weekend, Northwoods, and I got to pack strategically because the mornings are chilly, the evenings are chilly, but the, the days are beautiful. So for the morning, I've got my Bird Dogs pants. I'm wearing them right now. They hug your ankles. They're slim fit. They're warm because they've got those liners on the inside. But then in the afternoon, you change into those uh, sort of khaki-like shorts that really let you breathe and they they hug your leg in a, a really nice way yeah that's probably what i'm gonna pack on my way to the cabin they do the same thing as lululemon but they they fit way better there's just something about these bird dogs they're they're not regular shorts with the stiff restricting cotton they've got cloud knit fabric looks like khaki but it stretches gives you a way slimmer fit you don't sacrifice movement. They've also got those liners with the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Did you notice the hat? Yeah, I got the hat with my latest box because they're sending you a free white tech hat with any purchase. That's right. Birddogs.com slash locked on promo code locked on free hat. Birddogs.com slash locked on promo code locked on free hat with any purchase purchase once you get them you won't want to take your bird dogs off i promise you well reggie it's time to jump into your topic the roller coaster of a team that plays baseball in minnesota what you got dude i just i don't understand these twins man they win a season high five straight games come out in that that uh start of the series against the tigers your tigers run and they look just we're like oh man like they're gonna run away with this thing and then they go out and lose three straight. And two of those three games, they don't even score a run. And yesterday probably was the worst of them all. They only had two hits that they scattered. Carlos Correa, Christian Vasquez. Like, that's it. That was it. No runs. <laughs> two hits. I just don't understand. Like, Cleveland is, is trying to give them this division. But they keep saying, no, 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 no. It's just... You guys do what you got to do. We hang on, you know, stick around <laughs> a little bit. We might be able to do something like this, you know? Like the the topic last week was Cleveland was too busy fighting people to uh to, <laughs> to, to try to win baseball games and then now, you know, the Twins are just kind of letting them in. And I, I just don't understand this team like the one day like the pitching is good, they're playing complimentary baseball and then also like the 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 bats are just cold the next minute. And if I'm Kenta Maeda last night, I am hot because like he pitched well enough to get a win. He's three and seven this year. And he pitched well enough to get a win. He got no support. Six innings, only one earned run given up. And he got the loss because he couldn't get any runs. And so I just I really don't understand what's going on with this team. Byron Buxton the, his his play has been really disappointing, especially with the injuries being that he hasn't even played in the outfield this season, and he's still just not not 100%, not hitting well, not fully healthy. 
I just don't understand what's going on with this team. Carlos Correa struggling. He's admitted that he's struggling. He can't figure it out. This team is a hot mess that still somehow finds its way at the top of the division. Yeah, wash, rinse, repeat, man. I don't know what else to say. I said it two months ago. This is just a 500-ball club through and through. So whatever, you know, they win a few, get a little hot, warm up a little bit, you know a couple L's are just right around the corner. It's the pitching. Like, it's all over the map. The quality starts are kind of up and down. They've been a little inconsistent. Still not getting enough production from the studs. Buxton's hobbled. Correa's been fine, but nothing special. So, it's become really tough to get excited about this team, even in such a weak division. The only good news is the Guardians don't look like anything special either. So they could get cold. They could slump and still end up winning the division by the end of this thing. It's interesting, too, when you look at the schedule, because they've only got 12 games left inside the division, which is a little weird. And that might actually be a good thing, just knowing how much they've struggled against the Central. And most importantly, too, they finished the season against the Oakland A's and the Colorado Rockies. So... I still think they finish with a winning record. What they do with that winning record, that remains to be seen. But certainly they haven't given fans much to get excited about at this point, even if they can make the playoffs. Yeah, they play Cleveland six out of nine games end of August, early September. That might decide the division right there. But you know how in the Vikings season we talked about how winning close games wasn't sustainable? But because the season's so short, it never really came back to bite them. We never saw the regression come into play. Well, the Twins are a walking, breathing example of what happens when you win a lot of really close games. Sometimes that doesn't always continue. Like, look at their wins in the second half of the season. 5-4, And that was a walk-off Jeez. home run. Um, the, the, the games they're winning are so tight. They're dramatic, and they've had some really clutch moments, but they're not blowing anybody away. Like Even in victory, the Twins are making it difficult. And when you win a lot of close games, what happens? Usually in baseball, things flip the other way, and that's what's happened to the Twins. They had a four-game winning streak, then lost five. A five-game winning streak, now they've lost three. They're completely on the seesaw right now, and it's still because they can't score runs consistently. Yeah, they might have a nine spot, like once in a blue moon, they might put up seven. But most of the time, this team's going to be hovering around that three or four mark, and that's going to put you in a lot of precarious positions. So I, I, I again, every time they reel me in, they give me very good reason to, uh, to what, let the fish off the hook? I don't know what the, what the terminology you use is there, but yeah, going into Philadelphia, don't feel great about this weekend series. <sighs> well, I was looking up some stats. And first, I love the I love the fight reference, Reggie. I, I enjoy that that Cleveland Guardians fight. Um, I know the Twins don't want to fight the Guardians. I know that. I know they don't want to get into a boxing match. Uh, this this is what I look at, man. And, and I and I and I played sports, but also baseball. And I hate to say it, and I've heard other guys say this. It's boring. It's hard to to, to like get up every game for that many games. Because I've heard some pitchers say that. Like, yeah, when you only pitch 20 games a season or 30 games a season, whatever it might be, like it's tough to always be in it. Like, yep, we're getting paid to do this job, but how do we find that energy every game? How do we find that burst every game? Uh, I think for the Twins at one point, it was the Bomba Squad. Like, I feel like the Bomba Squad was energy. It was fun. They were dressing up. They were wearing uh, – they wore like robes at one point. Like, there, it feels like there's no energy around this team sometimes. Like, sometimes it's like – Man, the Twins are killing it. And then there's other teams like these last three versus the Tigers. Thank you. Thank you, Tigers. Um, 
I can wear my Detroit Tigers hat around the city this weekend and feel good about it. Nobody can say anything to me. Um, <laughs> but it, it feels like like there, there's just not an oomph. Like somebody might need to slide in a second and just throw a punch. Like I don't know. Like there, it just it feels like they are just like, oh, okay, we three and a half games ahead. Like you know, we got a nice little cushion. That cushion, as we saw right before the All Star break, can go away really fast. And I think that's that's the problem with this Twins team is like they have to find somebody on this team, a pitcher, a hitter, Buxton, Correa, somebody. Somebody has to get them going every single game with energy, with excitement, uh, make a play. Um, they, I, I just don't like that's the only thing I'm feeling from this team. Like, I feel like when you look at the Yankees, the Yankees almost g- are giving up right now. Like, the Yankees just like, like look, there's no way we're gonna bake it. So, like, we would have, have a ridiculous run. The Yankees just feel like the media e- isn't even talking about the Yankees. That's how you know it's going bad when show when Otani is being talked about more nationally than the New York Yankees. I thought the New York Yankees had a stranglehold on the media. That was the reason why Randy Johnson, all these people went there. It's not happening, but. You know what? You get to play again, and you get to figure it out. And you know they got SiriusXM app. You can catch all the games. So tomorrow you got, or sorry, today at six uh, six oh six. I don't know why they have that time. Six oh five. Uh, they play the Phillies. So maybe they can have a bounce back. They got the Phillies three times, and then they got to go see those Tigers again. So maybe they can get their get back. But I don't know. But either way, just make sure you download that SXM app. And you can get all of our shows as well by downloading Locked On Sports Minnesota on the SXM app. And if you want that Twins pitch tonight, the first pitch, and all the the hometown broadcasts, just search Twins on the SXM app. Well, fellas, we got to talk about the Golden Gophers because P.J. Fleck won. We've already kind of talked about that. We've talked about P.J. Fleck and what he's done. And uh, here's where I go with this with with the Gophers and the Big Ten. Everybody keeps asking me that. Like everywhere I go, everybody wants to know who we are so i tell them we are the gophers the mighty mighty gophers i don't know if you guys remember that sir. I don't know if you guys caught that one. sir mm-hmm. it took a while for somebody to get it thank you um but here's where i go with this though pj fleck one i think the team is going to be closer because of them having to come to pj flex uh uh they had to back him up they had to come to his uh, rescue uh you saw everybody athan you saw uh chris hoffman bell you saw all the guys that are here for six years They've all came to PJ Flex uh, rescue and say, you know what? No, like, man, like it's just tough here. Um, so one, you could tell that it's a close knit team. I think that's one step to being a good team. Two, consistency. PJ Fleck is still the head coach. It's been a while since we've had a, a long tenured coach. Uh, when you look at the Brewster to kill to Clay's. So PJ Fleck now has has created a little bit of consistency. So I think you know when you face Luke Fickle, you're gonna face. Um, uh, Matt Rule, like you're going to face some of these big time coaches that people talk about. I want to see how PJ Fleck handles the mental side of that game. Like, what is he going to do to out coach these guys? Uh, because talent wise, I think they're all kind of even right now. Uh, we're going to see some new gopher receivers and, and Ethan this, this season, because people are saying, how are they going to be? I have no idea how they're going to be people. This season rests on the arm of Ethan Kalik Manis. If Ethan Kalik Manis has a good year, they'll be fine. If he struggles, they're going to struggle, and that's that. I don't know. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. It's going to be so weird, by the way, to see a, a new quarterback and running back combo back there for the first time in, what, four or five years. A lot of new faces in the mix. Uh, I think Zach Evans coming in from Western Michigan was a good addition, by the way. Then in the passing game, Ottman Bell, Daniel Jackson, Brevin Span four. We might see this offense lean on the air game a, a tad bit more than what we're used to seeing. And 
Defensively, look, I know every team loses uh, uh, guys every year, but just on paper, two defensive linemen gone, three linebackers gone, four guys in the secondary, including Terrell Smith. He was drafted in the fifth round. He was a staple back there. So I'm slightly concerned what that whole thing looks like. They've still got a great D-line, though. They've got arguably a top-five safety in the country, Tyler Newbin. He's going to run around and make plays. He's already being projected as a potential top-50 pick next year. Um, but you're right, Ron, as far as P.J. Fleck goes, entering year seven, the culture is built here. They've always been consistent. I think they're going to be competitive once again. Yeah. It's really just a matter, at the end of the day, winning the games you're supposed to win and then stealing an upset or two along the way. I've seen their over-under win total in Vegas anywhere from six-and-a-half wins to seven-and-a-half wins. And I think you look at the schedule – you got Drake May, number two quarterback in the country at North Carolina on the schedule. Michigan at Iowa again, at Ohio State, Wisconsin to close out the year. Uh, they're going to have to pull an upset or two somewhere in there if they want a shot at making the playoffs this season, all while kind of adjusting on the fly with all these new faces. Yeah, I obviously think that Ethan is the most important gopher this year, but adjacent to that is the offensive line once again because this is still a run-first operation and you need that offensive line to pave holes for this, this new running back committee. Sean Tyler, we don't know much about him. Zach Evans, we don't know much about him. Bryce Williams, we've seen a little bit of him over the years. But can those guys produce behind this offensive line? I love Ariante Ursary. I love Quinn Carroll. Uh, I love Brevin Span Ford as an extension of that offensive line. Can that group mesh together and protect Ethan, pave the way for this running back stable? Um this is a defense and run first team. Um, and that defense, which lost some key players, how will they do? I know they've got some tough games early in the season. Um, are they going to gel fast enough to get that win total up to eight or nine and get a good bowl game at the end of the year? And again, guys, this conference is changing. This conference is growing. This might be one of the last chances you get to sure. put yourself in a Big Ten championship game for a while with the current format. So you got to take advantage of it. And there's some big question marks, but hey, there are question marks all across the conference. A lot sure. of teams have new quarterbacks too. So uh, if you can can get that offensive line squared away and that defense squared away, that's going to help you a lot. Yeah, to your point, Sam, uh, PJ talked about, uh, I think it was earlier this week, about the, the offensive line and how they have just meshed together, how they are probably the most consistent unit that they have on the team. He's just like, they eat together, they... They walk on campus together. They they do just about everything together. That's how in sync that they are. But I will say, like, it is interesting for all those people who were thinking about, like, oh, man, like maybe P.J. Fleck would, like, you know, leave for a bigger job or X, Y, Z. Like, with all this realignment stuff, like, it's looking less and less likely that he would do something like that just because, like, he's about to have, like, some of these teams in his own conference with Oregon and USC and UCLA and all these teams is like, well, uh, why go anywhere? So like, it's going to be a, a chance for him to really kind of like prove his mettle and, and continue to build this program. When you got, when you have guys, newcomers, as you said, Ron, like Matt rule coming in, who is a, a program resurrector. And then you got Luke fickle who comes in after his very successful tenure in Cincinnati, you, you mm -hmm. think that maybe in his second foray really into the Big Ten that he's going to kind of 
turn that up there at Wisconsin as well, and then these other teams that are infusing. I say this year, especially with the question marks that you think that they're going to have on defense, man, air that thing out. Ethan has a big arm. Yeah. Like, let that thing fly. He's got Chris Alvin Bell back. Like, that's his number one target. Like, let it fly, air it out, and, and let everything else fall where it may. Yeah, fellas, and I'm going to ask you this one. So, talking about the Big Ten, before we get out of here, a couple quick ones. Um, if you guys had to pick, because Vegas right now, as of June 26th, this is from June 26th, Vegas had the odds for the Big Ten Championship. What teams, because you can bet this, you probably can go on uh, FanDuel.com as well, check out futures for the Big Ten Championship game. You can actually bet on teams you think will make the championship games. I will say, people, these odds are worth it because they're high. You get high odds on some teams, not every team, but you can get high odds. Every single team, there's no minuses. Every team is plus. So every team to make the Big Ten Championship is going to give you a plus. Uh, whether you pick, even if you pick Indiana, like I'll give you that one. Indiana's at the bottom of the barrel. So you pick Indiana, you got a big one. But who do you guys think is the leader in the clubhouse to make the Big Ten Championship? Two teams. I got to think odds. Michigan and Ohio State, I would guess. Sam? I'm trying to go off the beaten path here, but I, I'm i going to say Ohio State leader. Reggie? Yeah, I say Ohio State. I guess it couldn't be Michigan and Ohio State yep, right. because no, they're right. in the same deal. And if whoever wins mm -hmm. the game uh, at the end of November, I guess, would have the edge there. I yep. think what's, what's tough about the whole thing is, like, it's usually, like, one of these big-time teams, and then it's, like, Iowa on the other side. Or it's, like, you know, like, you know, right. like one of those teams that Purdue. the, the, the championship game yeah. just ends up being just, like, a dog walk. And so I think I am looking forward to some of these other teams coming in because it will kind of balance it out in the Big Ten championship game. And these games will really be about something. So right now the odds, and you guys are right, it's even – for Michigan and Ohio State. So basically they're saying that last game of the year, Michigan versus Ohio State, is going to come down to one of those guys making the Big Ten Championship, plus 180 as of June 26. So those guys have the best odds in Vegas. Next is Penn State. And then where do you think the Gophers fall? I would guess Wisconsin's ahead of them. So maybe right after them, fifth or sixth somewhere. Maybe Iowa's ahead of them. Sam? Yeah, Gophers perpetually are about the about the number six team in this conference. I'm going to say they're uh, sixth best odds, probably about uh, plus fifteen hundred. Reggie, give me six. Man, you guys are on today. What a Friday <laughs> of betting! Plus three thousand. The Gophers are six. Iowa is plus a thousand, and Wisconsin is plus five fifty. So as of now, they're saying Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. Though that three way game. They all have to play each other. It's going to decide who comes out the West. And for the East, they're saying Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Those three are going to do. So those are the top six teams to make the Big Ten Championship. People, just go to the odds. If you want to go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on or go to the FanDuel app as well, put $5 on it. If you want to put Minnesota versus Ohio State, you got pretty good odds right there, people. That's 3180 Put five bucks down. Do that math. Multiply it by five. It's a good little number right there. So I know I'm going to bet on the Gophers just in case because this might be the year we finally make it right before we get UCLA, USC in the West, and then, of course, we're going to get Oregon and Washington. 
It's gonna be so hard after that. It's gonna be so hard. It's gonna be so hard. Um, but what I think they do, and I hope the Big Ten does this, and I've heard rumors of this, is a quad. So you're gonna have four quads, and then you're gonna get a final four. They mm-hmm. play and then they play. So I would be okay with that as well because I think Minnesota in a quad will have a chance because now you have 18 teams and you can kind of split it up and try to figure out like what those quads look like. I, I truly believe they are trying to get to 20 to truly make a quad to make um, uh, four groups of five. I think that's what they want, like to find that because then you can play like the Midwest versus the the the, the whatever the East and then the the, the Northwest. You know, like, I don't know how they're going to do this, but I know that's been the rumor is they really do want to get to 20 to make it a true quad and get it set how they want to mm-hmm. get it set. Because right now with 18, they might have to go three conferences. And I don't know how that works. Like, I don't know how you get a Big Ten championship. So I'm guessing it's going to go West and East for another year. But again, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Exxon. That's Luke Inman. That's Reggie Wilson from CARE 11. We want to thank you guys for joining us today on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Roundtable. Please make sure you subscribe. Go to YouTube. For all those watching on YouTube, you get to see all the visuals. Every time we talk about Sam's hat, every time we talk about my T-shirts, we talk about Reggie in the in the cave, we talk about Luke with the backwards hat. I don't think Luke's ever had his hat forward. Never. Bird dog. I got to get my bird dog hat going. Get your bird That'll dog rock. hat. That'll rock forward for sure. But please make sure you jump on any of our platforms, Amazon Fire, Roku, and Sirius XM now, you can get the Ron Johnson Show. You can get the football party. You can get Locked On Sports Minnesota. You get all the videos, all the shows, the press conferences. And the minute, and I hate to do this, the minute they start cutting players, because that's not fun. Like, we might have to all wear black for, for cut day. Uh, it's going to be a funeral. It's going to be sad. It's tough. You see all these men lose their jobs. But the Vikings are going to get down to 53. We're going to cover that all the way to the wire till they get the last guy set on this team. But again, make sure you stick with us on Locked On Sports Minnesota and have a great weekend.